Good morning, church. Okay, so this morning, we're not going to be looking at Romans. Some of you are probably hopeful that we're going to be uh, picking up where we left off last Sunday. We're going to do that when Brenda and I uh, return from vacation. <clears throat> I want to do something a little bit differently today, something the Lord has been putting in my heart. Um, we've act- I've actually, to some measure, to some degree, shared this a couple times here thus far, but not on a Sunday. And it's always been my hope to share on prayer on a Sunday morning service. How many believe that prayer is like majorly important in the body of Christ? How many of you know and believe that God has pretty much accomplished almost everything through the lives of His children as we pray and we seek the face of God? So this morning we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. Open up your Bibles, please. It's going to be, if you will, it's going to be visionary in nature because this lesson today has to do with you and I taking ownership of God's purpose in our lives. Did you hear that? This is about you and I taking ownership of God's purpose in our lives. And God accomplishes almost everything on this earth As his children pray. We know that God is sovereign. He does what he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to, as long as he wants to. But if you study the word of God the way I do, um, you've probably already taken notice that God does everything through his people, through his children. And I praise God for that. Are you with me? Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Say amen if you have it. This is the Lord's Prayer. It says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also Forgive you. 15. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Father, I thank you so much for this moment, for this space, for this hallowed ground. And thank you for allowing us as your children to come into your presence. It's time to get into your word. It's time for us to hear from you, Lord God. My ears are open, Lord God. My heart is open. My mind is open. Our hearts and our minds are open. Our ears are open. And we want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. That's where we are with this, Father. We need to hear from you. And we want to hear from you. May you speak to us now through your word in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. I thank God for this passage. If you think about all the wonderful things that that took place in this particular situation, in this particular scenario, think about the wonderful revelation of God that was manifested here in this one particular passage. Think about the near culmination of God's redemptive plan that was unfolding in the lives of his people right here in this one particular setting. Think about the fact that in this passage and through this passage and around 
this passage, Jesus Christ himself was establishing his kingdom. In fact, those words, how many of you remember those amazing words by John the Baptist as Jesus Christ was showing up at the base of the river Jordan? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And for three years, Jesus Christ devoted ministry to his people, to his disciples and the known world at that time. And what was he doing during that time? He was preaching the message of the cross, essentially. He was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was declaring the good news because he wanted to transform the lives of mankind. He was actually also in the end, towards the end, he was pouring out... His Holy Spirit to those who were present. And He did so in the lives of so many people. How many remember at at Pentecost, second chapter of the book of Acts, and the wonderful unfolding that took place back then? And did you know that God Himself included mankind in that entire process? So much so that He gives us the tool... The two by which he secures all of his activity, as I stated already. He secures his activity, his working here on this planet. And he does that through us, namely through prayer. And the truth is that aside from the, aside from the Bible, prayer is the greatest weapon that you and I have been given by God. Did you know that? In my estimation, prayer is the greatest weapon that God has given us As his children, God has always established himself in the lives of his people through prayer. In fact, mankind's darkest hour has always occurred in my mind, has always occurred when we have forsaken prayer. What is the one thing that comes to mind when you think about the dismissal of prayer? Be honest with yourself. What is the one thing that comes to mind when we think about denouncing our time in prayer, or just simply dismissing it, or simply taking it for granted, what is the one word that comes to mind? Rebellion. Some measure of rebellion always finds its way into our lives. Let me ask you this, what is prayer? It's a rhetorical question, I want you to think about it. What is prayer to you? Some people would actually say that prayer is talking to God. Is that right? Not at all. Prayer is talking with God. Prayer is talking with God. The the notion there is that prayer is fellowship with the Almighty God. And it's a two-way street. I don't know about you, but when I find myself in my closet, in my secret space with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I always sense the wooing or the communication of the Holy Spirit in my soul. They're not necessarily words that I can hear audibly. No, I, I, I will never make the claim that I've heard God speak to me audibly. But I hear Him in my soul and in my spirit. He's always communicating. How about you? I would venture to say yes. It's the reason why you're here. You're not here for me. You're not here for religion's sake. You're here because you have a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. The wooing of the Holy Spirit. He's the reason why we are here this morning. Prayer is talking with God. It's a dialogue by which we grow in our faith. And in our text this morning, there are some things that we're going to learn. Some things that we're going to... The word is 
extrapolate, if you will, from the text. We learn that Jesus succeeded in taking his disciples to the next level. To the next level. Something that he's been doing with you and I since the day we gave ourselves to Jesus Christ. He taught them to, to he freed them essentially from independence. Think about that for a moment. He freed his disciples from independence. Independence in this context, in this one particular passage, is the idea that we can live life without accountability to God. There are many on this planet who live as if they're going to get away from giving God an account this side of heaven. Let me ask you that question. Can we actually get away from holding ourselves accountable to God? Isn't it true that according to the word of God, one day every knee will bow and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord? We're all going to give an account of our lives. Prayer actually serves to enable us to experience a wonderful fellowship and intimacy with our Lord and Savior this side of heaven. Not later, but this side of heaven. Look up at your screen. This is just simply a thought that I put together. And essentially, the idea is that in my mind, the disciples had been with Jesus Christ for so long, up until this point, for so long, that they had been, that they had realized that life was too difficult to live independently. I probably misspelled that up there. Independently from fellowship with the Almighty God. And I think in my heart and in my mind, in fact, I'm, I'm, my mind is made up to this end. That when Jesus Christ seeks to minister to you and I as his children, as his people, he always seeks to establish not just simple fellowship with us, but he wants to drive us to this place where we are no longer living for ourselves. And so the disciples, having realized this, they just simply turned to Jesus one day and they asked him, Lord, can you teach us how to pray? Can you teach us how to pray? Can you teach us this wonderful truth concerning a fellowship or an intimacy with you? And the result of this prayer in their lives was that they experienced an intimacy with, with them that allowed them to face life's challenges with his strength. How many of you know that it's impossible to go through life with our own strength. How many know that? How many of you are already convinced? It's just not possible. Life is too complicated. Prayer enables us to live life with the strength of God in our lives. So number one, prayer enables us to recognize our identity. And I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think about the Garden of Eden and what took place in the Garden of Eden. Prior to the fall, in chapter 3, mankind was experiencing a wonderful fellowship with the Almighty God Himself. In fact, fellowship with God at that time was absolutely perfect. There was perfection in the life of Adam and Eve. But what happened to them in Genesis chapter 3, when they chose to rebel against God? They lost that perfection. And essentially, they lost their identity. How do we know this? Because in the cool of the day, the Bible says, 
in the cool of the day, after they rebelled against God, God had to come down from heaven to reestablish a relationship with them. What does the Bible say in Genesis chapter 3? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? If you, you like, like me who enjoy the King James text, Adam, where art thou? <laughs> and that's, that's exactly what happened. God came down because now mankind has found himself for the very first time apart from an intimate relationship with him. And so God came down to reestablish a relationship. The point is that they lost their identity. Adam and Eve were hiding, the Bible says, were hiding behind a... Really? It's like that? Adam and Eve were hiding behind a... A bush. Really? Oh, Ron, you're not, you're not doing such a good job in Sunday school on Wednesday at all, my brother. They were hiding behind the bush. The concept is that their identity was lost. They forgot about or they lost who they were. The relationship between God and them was severed as a result of their sin. Look at, look at your text, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This point is prayer enables us to recognize our identity. The verse says in verse 9, it says, Our Father who art... In heaven, our Father who art in heaven. This was a response by Jesus Christ to the question, can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus started the prayer with those words. He wanted them, because they believed in Him by faith, to recognize their relationship with, with their Heavenly Father. With Jehovah God Himself. With the, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Whenever we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the very first thing that's taken care of. This identity crisis that exists in the lives of mankind. It's the reason why society is the way that it is outside of these walls. There's an identity crisis. When you accept Jesus in your heart, that's the very first thing he addresses. Our identity, our Father who art in heaven. He gives us His hope. I can now call Him my Heavenly Father. It wasn't the case before you and I came to Christ. There was no way you can address Him as your Heavenly Father. Let me ask you this. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed His blood for the sins of mankind, does it mean that everybody is automatically saved? No, that would be universalism. And that's not biblical. It's not true. So those of us who know Jesus, and those in society who know Jesus Christ personally, we can actually call Him our, our Heavenly Father. Listen, I may, be, I may be imperfect, but I know that Jesus is in my heart. And the day that I lay this body down, I know where I'm going. Amen. Because Jesus Christ ratified that. Or He established that in my life through prayer in the prison cell in 1989. I got down on my face before God and I invited Jesus Christ in my life. And ever since then, I've been comforted by the Holy Spirit, knowing that I have an intimate fellowship with my God. This is important to me. And I think it was important to Jesus Christ. It's the reason why he began his model prayer with those words. Let's move on. Number two, 
Prayer helps us understand the importance of devoting ourselves to God. Prayer helps us understand the importance of devoting ourselves to God. The, the point is that it doesn't stop with just simply reigniting this identity within us when we come to Jesus Christ. It doesn't stop there. It's beautiful to have this Christ-centered relationship or this Christ-centered identity. That's important because without that, there's no salvation, right? But it doesn't stop there. The second step is important. It's about devoting ourselves to God. And look at verse 9 again. Look at verse 9 again. It says, it says, hallowed be thy name. Imagine that. Jesus' response to the disciples' question, Lord, can you teach us how to pray? And he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then when he concludes his prayer, he says, I want you to pray in this manner. He didn't say, I want you to repeat this prayer over and over again and consider yourselves to have prayed. That's not what Jesus Christ was doing with this model. This point, he says, hallowed be thy name. I want you to worship I want you to worship the Lord. I want you to adore Him. I want you to praise Him. In other words, we are to live out our lives with devotion. And it's the reason why we say intentional worship. I, don't, I know it's around there somewhere. I don't see it. Oh, there it is. There it is. It's the reason why we throw that term around here a lot. Jesus Christ in John chapter 4 Verses 23 and 24, he talks about a time when true worshipers would be revealed. That's, that's, that's me and you right there, right? When true worshipers would be, would be revealed, not perfect people, but people who give themselves over to Jesus Christ, experience this born again experience, and as such, we can literally worship the, worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We can actually honor Him. In the way that matters most to him. Why? Because of everything that Jesus Christ accomplished for us at the cross. That is extremely important. Did you know that as long as we choose to live life on our own terms, the greater the chances of failure? Did you know that? And in many cases, in many times, in many, many moments of our lives... There's this indifference or this apathy that, that causes us to believe that we can actually live life on our own terms. And we miss out on the blessings that God has in store for us. Now, I'm not talking about anybody in here because I know where we are with our faith. Amen. I'm talking about those people down the street someplace. Right? Sometimes we live that way. Right? As if we can live life on our own terms. This point has everything to do with a consecration, with a devotion to God. And Jesus Christ made sure that this principle was inserted in the model prayer that he gave. We first, he first establishes an identity with us where we can be called his children. And then secondly, he commands us to devote our lives over to him. What's the third point? Look at verse 10. The point is prayer teaches us the importance of trusting and following through with the will of God. Verse 10 reads, thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Some people have stated that the element could easily be called, or this point could easily be called gratitude or thanksgiving. Essentially, it has to deal with you and I believing or simply acknowledging the sovereignty of God over our lives, knowing that He will take care of us, knowing that He will handle all of our affairs. We're going to get into that in the next couple points a little bit more. But just think about that. Think about the word trust that Ron throws around a lot in his Sunday school or Wednesday Bible studies. And that's extremely important because when we make this declaration, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are essentially saying, Lord, I trust you. I know that life is not perfect and I'm going through all of these problems. I have these health issues. I have these financial issues. I'm trying to get myself through school. My mother is sick. My father is sick. And I got all of these problems swirling around my life. But Father, I'm trusting in you that no matter what is happening in and around my life, I know you got it covered. I know you're able to handle it. The point is that God is sovereign. When was the last time you thought you, you took time out to think about God's sovereignty? Think about, I remember passages like in Isaiah that come to mind. That he laid out the heavens like a blanket or like a curtain. It says that earth is his footstool. And that mankind, that we are like a drop in a, in a bucket. Just imagine the magnitude of God. He's an awesome God. We need to sing that song one day, by the way. My, it's an oldie, but I love it. My God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Amen. Look, and Robin's going to sign it, Brent. And Robin's going to sign it. She was just signing it. Amen. Listen, our God is an awesome God. Thy will be done. It gives us a confidence. I want you to have your way in my life through every circumstance. May your will be done in my life. And I think that as children of God, it should be the cry of all of our hearts. This wonderful acknowledgement. Father, I want you to have your way in my life. I want you to have your way in my life. I trust you. I give myself over to you. Next point. Actually, no, let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. It's... Um, because I know some of you are taking notes. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul the Apostle says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It says, it says In some things give thanks, for this is the will of God. Jessica, that's not what it says? What does it say? It says, In everything give thanks. What? But I just lost my job in everything, give thanks. But I was just diagnosed with in everything, give thanks. The IRS is knocking on my door in everything, give thanks. I'm, I'm not doing too good right now with my emotions. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The most difficult, difficult thing I think I have ever had to do concerning my faith is to trust in God regarding all of my circumstances. I think that was the most difficult thing. 
Because I think at some point we get used to handling our affairs on our own terms. No, I got this. If this is going to work itself out, it's going to work itself out because I'm going to lay my hands to it. Because I'm going to make it happen. And we think that we can actually rule or govern our lives in that manner. Isn't it true? And sometimes we become conditioned to doing things. And when it's time to just simply let go and let God, for many of us, it was probably the most difficult decision we ever had to make. Letting go and letting God. But I can't see Him. Let go and let God. He's involved in all of our affairs. Number four, prayer teaches us the importance of addressing our offenses, both to God and one another. Verse 12. Look at verse 12. It says, And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Essentially, the disciples were told that it was their responsibility to maintain a solid relationship with God. In other words, I have to do my part. My relationship with my wife takes work. A whole lot of work. It, it, takes, it, it takes work. It takes a lot of work. I, I, we have to compromise. We have to enjoy one another. We have to make decisions together. Likewise, you and your spouse. Or you and your friends or acquaintances. If you, if you want to enter into a relationship with somebody, there has to be communication, right? And when things, when things go wrong, we have to make things right, right? We have to confess our sins. And there are times when it doesn't come easy to acknowledge our thoughts, to, thoughts towards one another. When was the last time you took time out to confess your sins to God? When was, the, when was the last time you addressed your sins? Did you know the sin in our lives keeps us from developing? Did you know that? Sin in our lives keeps us from developing. This growth and development, this, Paul the Apostle said, the just shall live by faith. But faith doesn't come automatically. Faith does not unfold in our lives automatically. Simply because God lives and I've given him my life somehow, some way, faith is going to unfold automatically without any work on my part whatsoever. Now granted, I am not saying that I'm responsible for the growth in my life. As if I can pat myself on the back one day. No way. No how. Our growth comes from the Lord. But think about it in the context of fellowship, in the context of relationship. That's how our faith grows. And from time to time, we're going to do things that are wrong. And we need to confess these things to God. From time to time, you're going to offend somebody. And you're going to have to confess that to God. And then you're going to have to settle that thing with the person you offended. Or vice versa. Otherwise, where are we with our relationships? I want you to think about this verse. In Proverbs 28, 13. Solomon said, whoever conceals his sins will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So it's not just confessing them. Because I can confess all day long and still live my life with this problem. Right? What's the problem? I haven't forsaken it. I haven't forsaken it. Repentance is turning around and moving in the opposite direction. So if I'm constantly doing this one thing that's particularly wrong, whatever it is, if I'm lying 
and I have that issue, I have to recognize it, I have to confess it to God, and I have to be willing to turn in the opposite direction, turn away from that sin, because it's not pleasing to God, and it's not allowing me to grow in my faith. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything hindering my growth in the Lord. How about you? Where are you with this principle in your life? Did you know that sin corrupts? It stains our relationships. Not just our relationship with God, but our relationship with one another. Number five. Prayer positions us to receive provision from God. Look at verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Right there, that's the point. Give us this day our daily bread. If you can't see that, blame my son. He did this PowerPoint. Alright? He's right here. If you can't see that, just blame him. Prayer. <laughs> Gabriel said, I appreciate your tone. <laughs> Prayer positions us to receive Provision from God. I use that word provision carefully. I'm not talking about name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it. I'm not talking about just our physical needs. Don't, don't misinterpret this passage. It's about everything. It's about our lives. It's about substance. It's about my growth and my development. It's about my faith. It's about my increase in Him. My increase in the things that pertain to God. And Paul the Apostle, he, he said this. He said this. He said this best. I, in fact, I quoted it already. The just shall live by faith. So everything that encompasses my life of faith in the body is going to come from the Lord. Everything comes from the Lord. And I have to be willing to seek the face of God for the things that I need, for the substance that I need to live my life out as a child of God. And it's not about an iPhone. It's not about a Ferrari or a Rolls Royce or the next Beamer or the silver shoes that my wife has on her feet. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to say something about my wife. You, you know, you know, you know, I just feel some type of way because Angie, Angie and my wife get together. I got to go there, but I just got to go there. I got to vent right here in front of God's people. I got to vent. Angie, Angie and my wife get together and they be dogging me. They be dogging me. It's like, it's like it truly be working. So it's like I find myself, you know, being battered from both sides and it just, I just feel some type of way. Look, and it's coming out on a Sunday sermon. Imagine that. Amen. You've seen it in action, right? It's just not cool. Well, we're talking about confession. Well, the one, the preceding point. I just want you to get yourself right. Get yourself right. I just want you to get yourself right, Angie. I'm looking out for your, your salvation. <laughs> Let, let's move on. Amen, somebody. <laughs> I want to. I want to finish. I want to finish. So, so I want you to write this verse down concerning this provision. This point, Philippians four nineteen. It says, "My God will meet all of your needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus." And my God will meet all of your needs according to His riches in glory through Christ Jesus. 
Think about the bounty that God has in store for every single one of us. Think about the wealth, the treasure. Think about the wisdom. James chapter 4, I believe it is. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally. The things that you need in your life, you have, to, you have to pursue the face of God. Do not rely on your academic training. Do not rely on your intellectualism. Do not rely on the good job that you have. Do not rely on your parents or, any other, or anything else that's natural, on this natural world that we live in. These resources that you have personally. Because those things can and will become an idol in your life. And if there's anything that God has blessed you with, which actually serves to hinder your faith growth with Him, there's a problem. There's a problem. And I've seen it happen in people's lives where God takes away the things that He has blessed people with. Right? I've seen it happen. I don't know about you, but my eyes have been open for a long time. And I've seen it happen. And I said, Lord, if you're going to take that talent away from him or her, just, Lord, Lord, give it to me. (laughs) Number six. Prayer teaches us the major importance of considering others. Prayer teaches us the major importance of considering others. Look at verse 13. It says, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us. From evil. You think that's not the principle Jesus put in there? Intentionally? Of course it is. The principle is intercession. If you want to give it a term. Intercession. This is, this is the point in Jesus' prayer as he's teaching his disciples. He, he, this emphasis that he was making. Listen, it's not just about you. It's about all of you together. You are all my family. You are all my children. And I need all of you to be looking after one another. James chapter 2, verse 15. Put that verse down. It says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? What good is that? And this morning I read it as we were in Sunday school. I read it in Proverbs chapter 3. There's also two verses. I believe it's 27 and 28. Of Proverbs chapter 3, because I read the whole, the whole proverb. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a section in there that refers to this very same principle. That you and I, as members of this body, we are supposed to go the extra mile for one another. We are supposed to go the extra mile for one another. Is it possible for the hand to say to the wrist, I have no need of you? For the head, Jesus, to say to the neck or the rest of the body, I have no need of you. When in reality, we've already established that God is fulfilling His work on earth through His children, through His people. Can the foot say to the ankle, I have no need of you? Can any of you say to the person in your heart or in your mind concerning the person sitting next to you, I have no need of you? Can we actually do that? I think, I think that as a church... And I know we're not that way. But as a church, if we were to grow indifferent toward one another, it would be, it would be only a matter of time. I give it weeks before the devil moves in like a flood and we end up closing these doors. The reason why these doors are still open is because 
you people have stuck together through thick and thin. And some of you are still trying to get over the crisis. And I know that because I have conversations with some of you. But I thank God for you. I thank God for your faithfulness toward one another. In spite of the ugly, ugly things that occurred here not long ago. And whatever it is that you're experiencing in your own home, under your own roof, stay together. The family that prays together, stays together. And this is the family of God. And we're going to pray together and we are going to stay together. In conclusion, because I have to close, my encouragement to you is remember to spend as much time as possible in prayer. As much time as possible. Think about that issue, that problem, that dilemma, that crisis, that circumstance. If you want it resolved, God is going to resolve it through prayer. I promise you. You cannot educate your way through your, your circumstances. You cannot throw money at problems. The government's been doing that for a very long time. And still society is progressively getting worse. If you're going to be strengthened, if you're going to be encouraged, if you're going to, if you're going to live out any measure of victory as a child of God, it's going to happen through prayer. Amen, somebody. Amen. So if you want to label these things as these elements, one word elements, the first one would be, put that last screen up, last screen up um, Dave. Look at your screen now. Identity, that's verse 9. Devotion, that's verse 9. Thanksgiving, that's verse 10. Confession, that's verse 12. Petition, that's verse 11. And then intercession, that was that last point, the last verses, which is um, 14 and 15. Note 13, 14, and 15. It's about intercession. Peti identity, devotion, thanksgiving, confession, petition, and intercession. Can I get the worship team to come up at this time? I hit my soft line, Ron. Hit my soft line. <laughs> Ron's looking at his watch. He's saying, dude, you better get done. I got a roast in the oven. Stand with me, church. <clears throat> Think about your relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, bow your, bow your heads. Close your eyes. Close your eyes, please. Close your eyes. Nobody looking around. It's between you and God right now. Come on. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Cierren los ojos. It's between you and God. As the musicians play softly, I want you to think about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Where are you? Where are you? With your prayer life. Where are you with your faith? Are the circumstances in your life overwhelming you? And if so, is it possible that you have not been as faithful as you know you should be with prayer? Prayer will allow you to mount up on wings as eagles. Eagles do not shy away from the storm. They fly over it. Prayer will enable you as a child of God to soar over, above, and beyond your crisis and your storms. It doesn't matter what you're going through today. 
Bend your knees in prayer. Find that quiet space in your home, on your job, at school, no matter where you find yourself. And bend your knees literally and cry out to God in prayer. And you will see that He will transform your circumstance. You will see He will revolutionize your life. He will make a difference in your physical body. He will make the difference in your home with your marriage, your relationship with your children who are seemingly going astray. They feel they no longer want to be a part of the church or have any dealings with God, the God of the Bible of Jesus Christ. Pray and bend your knees and I promise you those walls will come down in the name of Jesus Christ. God will make a way where there is no way right now in your circumstance. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows what is happening in your life. He accomplishes all of His work in the lives of His children through prayer. All of His work. Let us worship together. Oh mm-hmm.
Bible says, help my unbelief. Help our unbelief. Father, we know these truths from your word concerning prayer. May you give us the strength by your Holy Spirit to begin living these things out in a different way. In a more glorious way. In a more fulfilling way. Thank you so much, Father, for your blessings and for loving us the way that you do. These things we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. As you as you go, remember my wife and I in prayer and my son, the family. You you probably know this already, all of you, because it's been in the bulletin for some time. We're actually traveling, um, <clears throat> going on vacation now this Wednesday. We'll be in Philadelphia for the next two weeks. So please keep us in your prayers. My mother's health is not what it could be, what we would like for it to be, and my mother-in-law's health either. So keep them in your prayers as well. Okay. God bless you guys for the next two weeks. Um, it'll be Pastor Richard Todd that'll be here with you. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys.